We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. fans that's right i'm excited uh it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the next film school podcast i feel like it's been nothing but really good vibes mixed with just a tinge of nervousness because this series is still not over gotta win another game uh over the last uh 24 or so hours i'm very happy to hear what my good friend and colleague has to say because Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. You were in the building, right? I was in the building for Game Three and Game Four. Yes, yes. that's what I thought. Okay. Um, I have not really come down off of the high yet. I don't want to come down because I feel like when I come down, uh, I, I have to face reality of like, wait, they have to win another game, and this could go poorly. Where Where are you at, having been in the building for what I think it is safe to say was the best weekend of Knicks basketball in a quarter century. Yeah, that seems fair. That definitely seems fair. Uh, so game three, uh, listen to the show, Doug, good friend. He was very kind enough to invite me game four. I had my season tickets and you know, it's like, I was trying to compare and contrast which one was better. And I can't, they're just so, they're so sure. good on their own. Like game three, it was messy, absolute rock fight. I and mean, we were talking 17 points for each team in the first quarter. I thought, okay, it's first to 90 and the Cavs wound up not even getting to 80. So that was pretty cool. But just the way the energy for the garden, of course, the first playoff game that you've had since 2021. And that was, I loved the game one, despite the outcome of the 2021 series, but it didn't fully capture everything going on because a lot of it was COVID focused. And this just felt like, you know, we're back into a normal rhythm for life. So this is just just different that way. And especially being one, one, that was important. Crowd really brought it. Thought it was fantastic. And it was, it was a huge win. You know, you walk away feeling good game four. I was more nervous strictly because when I saw Scott Foster was going to be reffing and the record that the Cavs had with him. And I'm just thinking like, wouldn't it be the most NBA thing to have him come in there? The Cavs win. It's two, two. They try to get this to seven as easily Mm -hmm. as they can. And so, was, you know, it's some nervous energy, but I was excited nonetheless. And 
I got to tell you, I am very, I've seen a lot of Knicks games. I mean, obviously on TV, I've been able to go to a bunch of them as well. I have never been able to cheer as loudly as I have the last two games because I haven't really had that many opportunities to cheer that way. Yeah. And it was like that Brunson shot in the fourth quarter when it really felt like that was the dagger. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it, there was this sense of relief that I felt where I just, you know, so many other fans too, but just stood up and screamed. And it was just like, this is actually, this is actually happening. I'm actually seeing a playoff game that ends a win when it got re- like far too close for comfort. So all in all, it was just an incredible experience. Fans really brought it. It was super loud in there. I was really proud of everyone who was there. Total home court advantage. Very few Cavs fans, which, you know, make sense to a degree. I could see other teams. I, do they travel the well? I don't know. Right. It didn't seem like they traveled super well. And tickets for those who are buying on secondary market. I mean, that's super prohibitive. I, I yeah. It's expensive. All that being said, it was a really great feeling. Left game four, walking through the park, you know, people wearing Knicks gear. There's a guy with a dog that had a Knicks jersey on. You fit <laughs> the, the whole city just feels alive. It's just different. And I was thinking about it on my way back uh, home where it's just like, you know, so I'm a Yankees, Rangers, Knicks, Giants fan, and not in that mm-hmm. order, but Yankees fans, I see them all the time. Like, I'm going to sound like a dick when I say this, but I mean it. Yankees fans are very accustomed to winning. They have not had a below 500 season in my lifetime. So it's kind of like that's the expectation. Wow. And then with Rangers, they've had great seasons. You know, game four is going to be tonight against the Devils. Hopefully they win that. But they've made it to the Stanley Cup finals. They've rebounded quickly. They've rebuilt well. The Giants still great football team. We've seen two Super Bowls from the Knicks. It just feels different. It feels like we're able to finally come out from our little holes in the ground. Like, is it safe? Are we able to to actually have genuine hope and enjoy the moment? And it just felt it felt nice for a change. It felt nice to be a winner in this situation. And we'll see what the rest of the series and and the playoffs hold. But in this one moment, it just it was so pure, and I loved it. Uh, that was awesome to hear you say that. Um, I'm happy you brought up the point about the difference between this and the COVID playoff series, which it's weird how that's always going to be known, even though like yeah. it was it, it, it was over that over by that. You know what I mean? But uh, it was there were a lot of fans there because um, like I wasn't in the building. For, uh, actually, no, I was sorry, I was in the building for game five. Um, which was definitely a different feel from what I gathered from talking to you than game one and, and game two. Um, but like, I don't know. It was such a weird time in the country that like, I that, that was more about, we were like, I'm in a, I'm in an arena with 15,000. Yeah. 15,000 other people. Right. As opposed to, I am watching a Knicks playoff basketball game. I mean, they were both like in there. This was all about, the Knicks, and I'm wondering, like, from you especially, because you know you you're on the you're you're a lot younger than me. Um, did you feel like this was even for people who weren't around, who have not been around for all of the twenty plus years, or like you've been around for, but you haven't been a fan for that long because you you know you were very yeah, I was. young. You're you're not as old as you think you are, and I'm not. As I'm young very as you old. You're not. You're. 39 is not that. Old. Okay. So you were like, you'd be six? retired if you were a basketball player. Unless you How old are you in 99? 99. I was four years old. So that I don't okay. remember. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. If we're talking this about is, okay. Yes, I, I was a fan starting like 20, 2002, 2003 seasons. Yes. All right. So right when the losing started. So you know yeah, what? Maybe my fault. maybe you're you're the wrong. No, maybe you're the wrong person to ask. I guess I'm just the fact that it has been so long. I feel like it, it's not just like fans were waiting to cheer and like scream when like Brunson hit that shot, like when you're saying, but like this is like 20 years regardless of your age it's 20 years of of waiting and like yearning for something that you're about exploding out at once and i think it all came out this weekend that's what it felt like from afar yes i'd say that's a really fair way to put it it was a release it was because i was i was molded by the darkness (laughs) right like so many fans who are a bit older than me still got to experience 99 even if they were young, they were aware of it. You know, like you, for you, it started what, 93? That was 93, the 94. Yeah. I, I don't right. really, yeah, 93, 94. But even still, you have those, those memories, those core memories. And I think for the people who came around my age and still loved the team and the, the aughts. And then there were the other fans who came about more in the mellow era that kind of sparked something new that brought in a new group like yeah. the, uh, the Chris Percy Einan age fans. And, you know, like people made fun of, bing bong and and fans going crazy after game two in the 2021 series all that and it's just i i I loved it i love the fact that we can all just openly celebrate it and have fun with it but yeah for me it was just like this is so this is what playoff basketball and winning feels like because again i was i i was at i want to say game five of the 2013 playoffs right yeah boston but at that point, it was this team's supposed to be winning and they lost that game. Yeah. And they and then game six, as we talked about, felt like a relief, but not in a good sense, just in a in a like, I'm just glad we didn't blow a three nothing lead and become the first NBA team to do that. And yeah. now it just felt like, all right, it's one one stole home court advantage, absolutely destroyed them. OK, it's two one. Feel really good about this. And yet I can't help but wonder about the refereeing, about mm-hmm. adjustments, about all these different factors. Grimes is out. How is Randall doing uh, everything? And then to close the door in the way that they did, it was almost like, uh, you know, it was, it was funny to see another team have the patented Knicks fake comeback. It's nice when the shoe's on the other foot, when the rabbit's yeah, got the gun. Was, so that that was the part of it. But to go back to what you're saying, yes, it was very much kind of like, this might seem sad, but so much of my fandom has reached a, a peak. And I hope that that is not the peak of my life. And for a lot of other fans as they're watching it, I want to see that go much higher. But as we stand right now, this feels like a higher place than where we were certainly two years ago and where we were 10 years ago. I, it it does, and as as you're talking about this, it because like we we do this every week, and I'm in front of a camera way too much, um, but like just, it makes it just enough, <laughs> just just the right amount, just the right amount. It makes it even as I think our job on here, specifically me and you, when we do our weekly pods, is to try to zoom out a little bit. I don't know that. Like I would speak for myself mentally before this series started, I was able to zoom out enough to um, really embrace how much I don't know what other, I'm going to use the goalposts phrase again, but like how much the goalposts have changed over the course of this year where like this year started coming off of last season. And it was like, 
oh, wow, it took a year and we went back to being like viewed unfairly so because of all the things we talked about. But like we went back to being viewed as like kind of a clusterfuck of, of an organization. And like that stunk. And wouldn't it be nice to just not be that anymore? And then after 23 games, oh, guess what? We're still that and for reasons. And like over the ensuing whatever it's been four months, right? It's only been four, four and a half months. It's gone from that to like now we're sitting. I mean, again, we're sitting here. We're talking about like, oh, who's who are we facing in the next round? Potentially, you know, like it's and it's just it's wild. And I, I can't wrap my head around it right now. I think it'll probably take me some time after when the season's finally over. Of course, we're talking about this as if the series is over, which we should not be because the series is not over. We should say <laughs> Knicks are up 3-1. Um, they do have game four, five coming up, excuse me, on Wednesday. Um, let's let's key in on that for a second. Then we'll go back and we'll talk about some of the storylines briefly from, from the series. Um, what are your thoughts about Wednesday? Because I have some very specific thoughts about it. Why don't you go first? Okay. Um, I'm not going to say the ridiculously absurd thing, which is that it's a game that I really feel like they need to win because they have three chances to win a game. However, I do feel very strongly about this, which is that I suspect it may be the easiest game to win if we were to play out. And look, you never know how game five is going to play out. That is going to impact game six. And you never know how game six is going to play out. That could impact game seven. I just feel like where both teams are at right now and maybe I'm reading too much into it and it's a bad job by me to do this, but like looking at some of the calves and hearing some of the calves after the game four loss and how, like how they were speaking about like the game and the series so far and the locker room after the game, just feeling very, I mean, they, it seems like a downtrodden team. It seems like a coach that's kind of grasping at straws right now. Um, you know, making making matchup adjustments to like preempt matchup adjustments that like didn't happen and like now didn't need to happen because of the adjustments that he I mean, we're really into the weeds here with this. And then you have the Knicks who are feeling freaking great and have been a great road team all year and are saying they're, they're all the right things coming off a of game four about how like, you know, their mental preparedness going into this game, the whole thing, they're playing pretty well, even though they're not playing well. And we could talk about that. That's a weird dichotomy, but like <laughs> you know what I mean by that, right? They're like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. um, this game is there for them to take, I think. I think. And look, the Cavs could come out and Donovan Mitchell could score 50 points or something and, and it could be a, a crazy game. But like, so I'm looking at that as opposed to like, if they, it doesn't even matter how they lost, just if they lost the game and it goes back to a game six at home, I'm sure the Knicks would be feeling good about it. But like, that's a situation where is there, does it introduce, does it open the door for, tightness to come in it's like all of a sudden like maybe you're not hitting your threes and, you, and the caps come out and they're f feeling like they're playing with house money and they hit a bunch of threes and all of a sudden you're down by 15 points in the third quarter and you're looking around and be like shit are we gonna have to go back to cleveland for a game seven like there's this trickle down effect that i would like to very much avoid and so that is that is where my mind is at after four games jeremy you can make I've, fun of me now no no i'm not gonna make fun of you i had i've had similar thoughts but but not the same so okay. i would agree with you that the Cavs are in a vulnerable position before you even said the word in downtrodden. The word that came to my mind was the Cavs are downtrodden. When you see Jared Allen saying he thought they played a pretty good defensive game and then looks at the box score and then, you know, quietly murmurs, maybe not. 
that is a team that is certainly feeling it. They're a younger team. I mean, the Knicks still are a young team too, but I feel better with Jalen Brunson at the helm than I would if I were a Cavs fan with Donovan Mitchell, even if the if it's reversed. I've also seen enough Rangers comebacks from down 3-1 to know that this is far from over. Different sport. I get it. I think it's probably easier to come back. It's definitely easier to come back in hockey than it is basketball. The, the numbers I mean, say so. Right. So, so that's a different story. But even still, I haven't gotten quite to the point of, okay, you lose game five and now you're... If you don't... What if it happens in game six and you're at game seven? I think for someone like Brunson, especially with how measured he was, saying the equivalent of jobs not finished in the post-game presser, like we haven't we haven't done anything. That is an important factor. That is something they're going to keep in mind. The Knicks have beaten the Cavs every single game at MSG this year. So it's a great call. Until that happens where they win, I'm going to feel pretty good about the Knicks winning one of the next two. You just don't want to be in a situation where you have to get... I'd rather not see a game six. I think we'd all rather have the games be wrapped in five, especially for one Julius Randle, who's a little bit banged up. Uh, you know, Is Quentin Grimes going to be playing? How healthy might he be? The best case scenario would be the Knicks close this out que- you know, quickly, cleanly as possible, and then they prepare for whoever they're facing next. But I'm not at the point where it's just, okay, well, if you, if you lose game five, then you're at game six, and if you lose game six, it's game yeah, seven. Yeah, no, that's... You know. That's, That's the unhealthy place to get to. <laughs> Listen, but th- again, this is someone. This is coming from someone who did pick Cavs and Seven, so I get it. But the circumstances had changed because I thought it was going to be closer to two two, and it's not. It's three one Knicks, and I think that is a massive factor. And I got to tell you, I'm really glad that the Knicks just have to win one of the next three. So <laughs> hopefully, they can just do one of the next one, and we can all move on. Um, we mentioned the math uh, for anybody who hasn't heard it yet. Uh, Teams up 3-1 in the playoffs in NBA history, 258-13, and 13, which works out to slightly better than 95%. Someone uh, DM'd me earlier today, and I, I have it a check, and they were like, can you go through all the teams that have blown 3-1 leads and talk about like possible similarities to this Knicks team? And I wrote back, I'm like, if you think for the, a millisecond that I'm going to put that energy out in the world, all we need to know here in New York is there was one instance, a uh, very famous one that we know about all too well. Um, Andrew, especially because he was—he was that was when he started watching. That was his for, one of his formative experiences. Um, but you know, right, may he rest in peace. David Stern is not here to um, inflict chicanery uh, anymore, so I, we don't need to talk anymore about 1997. Um, one so thing that, I will say about 1997: yes. there was a certain. Uh, person who worked for the Knicks in some capacity in 1997, oh, yes. who I think learned a thing or two from what happens when you're down three to one. He happens to be the head coach of the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> so look, am I happy the Knicks went through that experience as a fan? No, as someone who didn't even live it, I feel terrible for the people who did live it like Andrew, for example. But if that was a learning experience to help the Knicks be better moving forward and to better prepare them, and obviously it took a, a suspension and a controversy to get the Knicks to the point of vulnerability to lose that series. Um, I'm not going to say it was worth it. It certainly wasn't worth it, but it's nice to have that experience in your back pocket. Speaking of uh, Tom Thibodeau, knowing a thing or two, uh, the in 2000, was, uh, 2013, Andrew, double-checked that for me. But, but I just saw what Andrew put in the chat. I'm not reading that. Nope. Uh, um, 
Andrew is not a fan of David Stern. That's what he said. I am not a fan of David Stern. That's all he wrote in the chat. Verbatim. Um, in 2013, Tom Thibodeau was the coach of uh, the Chicago Bulls when they went up 3-1 as underdogs, we should note. Well, actually, as the Knicks were underdogs, too. May have even been as a five seed against the four seed. Um, Brooklyn Nets, and they were up 3-1, and then they lost two straight, and then they won a... Game seven against Brooklyn. That was um, it was a very it was a big, much bigger deal because the, the Bulls were like injured and, and whatnot. The story was much more about how the Nets couldn't pull out the first round series as opposed to like the Bulls almost blew a 3-1 lead. But like so he has that experience too under his belt. Um, yeah, that we'll just leave it at that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You mentioned Donovan Mitchell already. Um, let's just read his numbers off. He's averaging, man, this looks like fake numbers. Uh, in games three and four in the garden, where if you would have told me he would have averaged um, 46 points over these two games, I would have been like, man, that's a lot. It's also Donovan Mitchell. Um, he averaged 16.5 points on 37.8% uh, overall shooting, 16.7% from three, and 60% from the line. That's over games three and four for Donovan Mitchell. Um, I is this Does this series say anything to you about Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> you laugh? That was a mischievous laugh. Yeah, I mean, I'm, try, I'm trying to... I'm trying not to speak before anything. yeah oh, okay all right yeah all right. i'd like the series to conclude in some way before i comment more on that so i That's will fine. i will show that it. that mischievous uh look and the thoughts behind it for another week or maybe not hopefully i get to share them because if i don't then something yeah. bad will have gone wrong uh or something will have gone wrong but uh, you know listen if you if you're cleveland you gave up a lot i mean a lot to get Donovan Mitchell in the door to win with him, to win with him right away. Even if you're working at the kinks in year one, that was a huge package to give up. Even if Lowry Markinen was not, I mean, they're announcing most improved player of the award, uh, year of the award today, I would imagine he'll win it. Even if he doesn't, he's a top three finalist. E- even so, even if he wasn't that person in Cleveland and you give up three unprotected first round picks, you need Donovan Mitchell to be that guy that you paid the price for. Yes. Through four games. Well, I should say game one, he was pretty good. Yeah, I was, was about to say. Through, through, and he, and game two, he, he, was, he did what he needed fine. to be done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Game three, and especially game four, 
right? Players have bad games all the time. It happens. Bad series. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be reflective. When you give up a pound of flesh, you need him to bring it. You need him to, to be better than what he has been. And that's, that's just the trouble with it right now. Their best player is not playing like their best player when they need him most. And that's, again, we'll see if that happens in game five. Hopefully there's not a game six or seven for us to comment on. Yeah. We can dive in deeper, but it's, they, they need more from him no matter what, if they want to see another day after this series. Well said. Good. Nicely done there. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. I was leading you into a death trap. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, and I'll just come out and say the thing out loud, which is like Donovan Mitchell's good enough that he could go off and He's he's a good enough there. I don't I don't say this about probably more than ten or twelve guys in the league, but there are a certain number of guys who could go out and win a game almost by themselves. I don't think anyone could truly win a game totally by themselves. And this Cavs team, and I think this is the main takeaway from what we've seen through four games, and why almost regardless of what happens in the rest of this series, whether it ends in five, six, or seven games, and regardless of the outcome, I think there are real structural structural questions about this Cavalier team, which brings me back to what I was saying, which is why I don't think Donovan Mitchell can go out and like by himself, like bring the Cavs back in the series. Cause I just, I think again, it's revealed some issues with this Cavs team, which we will leave for the folks on the chase down pod to, to talk about. Um, but like he is good enough that if like things go well around him or well enough around him, like he has that sort of talent. So I'm not, I too don't want to speak on it quite yet, but yeah, um, thus far, Speaking of which, there's a good good way to hit this last one before we get to the injury report. Um, this has been a... As we get some news on Giannis, uh, Giannis will be back for tonight's game against the Heat. Uh, or So you're listening to this, so you already know that. Uh, but we are just finding that out now. Okay, well, let's see what the Bucks do. Um, and we'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, this has been a defensive series. Um... John Burgundy strikes again. What did I do, Andrew? I said the thing. Giannis is coming back for the game. Yes, you read something that was on the screen. I didn't say the thing out loud. Uh, again, like the the John Burgundy thing implies that, like, oh, I saw thing to read. I read thing rather than just read it in your head and ignored it. While yeah, but I'm not going to ignore it because it's relevant, right? To Although it won't be relevant, will not be that will be relevant. listening tomorrow and have already watched the game. <laughs> Edit all this out. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so it's become it's it has been a defensive series. Um, the Cavs were held under eighty points in Game Three, as you mentioned. First team to have that happen to them all year. These two teams have, um, or the Cavs, the, the Knicks have the best uh, defensive rating in the playoffs, which by definition means the Cavs have the worst offensive rating in the playoffs. On the Knicks end of it. The Knicks are the worst shooting team in the playoffs, have made fewer threes than uh, per game than any team in the playoffs, and they are shooting um, a worse percentage from three than any team in the playoffs. Uh, so, like, this has been the rock fight of rock fights. I Do you think that bodes well for not a big comeback? by Cleveland? And, uh, the re- and I'm, I'm thinking of something in particular when I asked this, which was Two years, or how many years ago was the bubble? Three years ago, three years ago in the bubble. Um, Denver famously pulled off not one but two big time comebacks, coming back from three one down against 
the jazz, Donovan Mitchell's Utah Jazz and uh, the Clippers. And while those series were slightly different in tenor, the and the Clippers, my God, did they throw up all over themselves at the end of that series? But the the Jazz series with the Nuggets, that was like. I don't know what the actual scores were for all those games, but that was like the most offensively like that was all offense. There was no defense being played in that series. This is the opposite of that. So I was, I was thinking about that and I feel like a defensive struggle. Does it bode better for the team that is up three one? I feel like it does, although I can't quite totally justify that to myself. I'm conflicted because on one hand, it's just look at the numbers. It, it, they should tell you everything. And the other hand, it's like, well, it's been a sample size of four games. And everything goes out the window. It just takes a few shots to go in that changes the complexity of everything. So that's uh, that's a really dressed up way of saying I honestly don't know. But I can tell you <laughs> yeah. that the atmospheres being different, again, if it goes to six games, I can tell you that the garden's going to be even louder than they were than it was for game uh, four. I agree. Uh, it's going to be a very hostile environment and not in a way that's threatening to the Cavs personally, but professionally speaking, they will be shooketh or they should be. I, I won't say will because that would imply, no. you know, they should be right. Based on what I saw games three and four game six should lead to a similar outcome for the fans perspective. So that's, that's how I'm couching it. That's that will make me feel better about not jinxing it or, or speaking anything ill into existence. But that's where I, I feel like it just, it just takes a few things to click in the right way. Right, like yes, game game two was ugly from from the Knicks' perspective. They've also now have two games under their belts in Cleveland, and they are up three one. So how confident yep. are they feeling? How healthy are they feeling? All these different factors. So, but I mean, mentioning the the offense versus the defense, it's a complete light switch. If you had told me going into this series that the Knicks' offense would look pretty good, but might have some trouble. In the playoffs, because of the efficiency, I would have said, yeah, that makes some sense. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought it would be reduced to what it is, right? I wouldn't have thought that of the 20 teams to make the play into the playoffs, that they would have, geez, oh my goodness, what is this? What? The 19th best efficiency. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, we talked about going into this series about the importance of protecting the ball and the possession battle. And that's where the Cavs have really squandered it because the Knicks and the Cavs have both been really good at taking care of the ball this year. Yep. The Knicks have been the worst team out of the 20 to make the play into the playoffs in terms of turnover percentage. So oh, I thought the Cavs were worse. No, the Knicks have the 20th percentage for offensive turnover. Oh, you know what? You, you're looking at cleaning the glass? I am. I was looking at uh, NBA, uh, the NBA stats page, which doesn't filter out garbage time. So Cleveland is actually the worst on that. But the point is, both of these turn teams have turned over a shit thumb. The right. reason why that's interesting is because the Cavs, at the very least, were a team that did turn you over during the regular season. The Knicks, famously, because Thibodeau's defenses never turn you over, did not do that. And the fact that they're even in this, even though both are very bad, I think that's a good sign for, for the Knicks. Exactly. And I wouldn't have thought that the Knicks would have the number one defense in cleaning the glass. Yep. It, it's, it's come together beautifully. I, I mean, you know, fourth best and efficient in, in protecting efficiency on the defensive end. <laughs> Second best in terms of turnover percentage, forcing turnovers, 10th best defensive rating, uh, excuse me, defensive rebounding and fifth best at free throw rate. So they're doing a lot of things. Yeah. It's just, it's really just get back to what worked for you in the regular season offensively. If you can get more action with these players and, whatnot so trying to figure it out but what's working now hopefully it can continue for at least one more game and move on 
Yeah, and that's a good transition to injury report. So Quentin Grimes' shoulder contusion was seen um, with a sling on watching the game in game four. He missed game four after leaving at halftime of, um, or just before halftime, I guess, of game three. Uh, his status is up in the air. We haven't got any new updates on that. Um, which, uh, and look, they just showed that they could win a game without Quentin Grimes. So I, I'm, I feel confident that they could do it. Quentin Grimes also has as many three pointers or has one more three pointer than you and me combined in this series series. So it's not like they're going to miss his, his shooting terribly. Um, and even without him, and I'm not getting ahead of myself because we'll, we'll do game ball in like a minute, but, the Knicks have a baseline, unlike the Cavs, who had like it's very clear the Cavs have top, and then under that it's like a mess. The Knicks have this nice baseline where you're getting forty eight percent, forty eight minutes of elite production at the center position. You're getting elite scoring now that RJ Barrett has come alive, and uh, again we'll talk more about RJ in a minute. Uh, and and Jalen Brunson's doing Jalen Brunson things. We'll talk more about him in a minute. Uh, and then around those two and between the centers, between Josh Hart, and even though Emmanuel quickly hasn't shot it well, he's playing at an elite level for anybody who hasn't seen the defensive rating numbers with him on the court. They're giving up like 80 points per 100 possessions when quickly plays. It's obscene. Um, and then Obi has played well uh, for the most part. Uh, the one guy who is kind of a question mark at this point is the other guy on our injury report, and that is Julius Randle. Um, Tibbs said after what was a very bad game four, and especially bad a third quarter in game four, that a lot of guys wouldn't be playing right now, and specifically referring to the ankle injury that knocked Julius out for the last five games of the season. If I have a worry at the moment, it is Randall related, and it is very specific, because I went back and I rewatched the first, the well, I rewatched most of the game, but I keyed in on the third quarter, and the Cavs scored on 11 of the first 13 possessions of mm-hmm. that third quarter you know because you because you were there and man Jared Allen's still still open by the way he yeah you said it um they whether it was Julius guarding the low man and they brought Mitch into the action knowing that Julius wasn't gonna rotate down low or just bringing Julius into the action with Mobley knowing that Julius was not up to that level of defensive coverage and they would have to pull Mitch out and they knew between Brunson and Randall and we have Garland, we're getting what we want on every play. And they did almost for every play. And then they had to start going to their subs. And by the time they got back with their starters in, Randall uh, was not in the game anymore because Tom Thibodeau didn't put him back in. So that worries me a little bit. Um, And I'll just leave it at that. It's a fair worry. You know, I mean, where I struggle with Randall is... I can I can understand the arguments coming from both sides of it. Where I kind of lean more towards is they're going the Knicks seem to be going out of their way to talk about like tips when he's saying yep. he wouldn't be most guys wouldn't be playing where he has rushed it back. And the reason he's rushed it back is because if you take Randall out of the equation, you really have one player who is um what above six eight and not a center, and so be Toppin. Above six, how tall is RJ? RJ six seven six six. I think he's listed six six. So you only have one player above six six who's not a center. Right. And okay. Josh Hart plays larger than he is, but he's also yeah. six foot four. So you need some sort of size, especially combat combating uh, the team like the Cavs that they're four five, it's pretty large. So I I applaud him for doing that and for going out of his way. 
the tricky part for me is, you know, we talk often about guys who are 82 game players and guys who are 16 game players. And it's Julius Randle has shown he's an 82 game player. He has not shown he's a 16 game player. That does not mean he is not a 16 game player. It just means that in the two times he has been in the playoffs, the first time disaster did not have a point guard. Now as a point guard back in the action, he's unhealthy. So it's while I hear concerns about, you know, like, okay, excuses and, and this and that it's well, yes, they're, but they're also valid. It's context. It's context for all of this. We can't just rule it out and say, no, he's got to contribute. He does have to contribute, but if he's hobbled then he should be playing, well, he shouldn't be playing. Well, okay. So what is the solution then again, against a, a team that has larger players, Chetty Osman is, he's still a, a larger guy. Um, maybe not one of their best, but he, but he well, has a presence there and it's something that the Knicks might not be able to combat as easily. The- the fact is, if if he if Julius Randle's level of play is what we saw in Game Four, he I mean I don't know how else to say it. he's not and and with by the way and this all oh, RJ is a big part of this because with RJ now be, taking on that secondary scorer role, um, now that's a lot to ask for Brunson and RJ to basically carry the offense for forty eight minutes either together or one at a time. Like that's a lot to ask. So like even as I say Julius Randle's not helping them if he's gonna play like this, I don't really believe that because I do think they need that extra that gravity. I mean it's, it's and by the way, in that third quarter, in addition to that big block he had on Donovan Mitchell, Julius Randle had a couple of big baskets. He had a couple of bad misses too, but he had a couple of big baskets. So like even this version of him, like you could look at and be like, you know, that that's a scary thought to not have him. I don't want to go down that road anymore. I just I wanted to voice that concern and and leave it at that. Well, game three, um, he was. I thought it was great. It was uh, good process, bad results, and then yes. game four, it was just bad process, bad results, and yep. now we're here. Yep. No, we it, yes, we're here. Um, okay, we're gonna do a game ball and detention before we get to a very special announcement. Um, game ball first. I'm gonna read the list of candidates that uh, Andrew has so kindly provided for me here, uh, in no particular order. Well, in the order he put it in, actually. <laughs> Um, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Josh Hart, Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin, Deuce McBride, Isaiah Hardenstein, Tom Thibodeau, and Leon Rose. I'm. Uh, he has someone listed in, in detention that I think should be in game ball, but that's fine. Um, you still go right? You get to go in like perpetuity. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least right, until sorry. next year. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with the obvious one. Not that you haven't spent enough time talking about the obvious one, but I. I want to go out of my way to shout someone else out, which is I'm going to give my game ball to Tom Thibodeau. Hey, yeah, there you go. I, I feel he's coached a fantastic series. You know, I thought that the, the Cavs adjusted really nicely in game two and the Knicks were a bit lost, but then you get to game three and Tibbs like a chess move. He's got the next move down pat and game four. You'd think, okay, that's where Bickerstaff then comes into play and Tibbs rolls out. This Fred Katz wrote about it and totally accurate. The little wrinkles of um, Brunson pick and roll with instead of bigs, but Josh Hart Guards. or RJ Barrett. And just these little things that he's able to deploy. I thought some of the, he's been, I, just again, if you had told me after seeing what, 76 games of Randall uh, at 77, however many he played, that when the game's on the line, he trusts two guys, he trusts Jalen Brunson, and he trusts Julius Randall. And so, for him to see Julius not having it 
and recognizing this is too important. This is this is larger than all of us. And Randall not subbing in for the fourth quarter. And Obi doing a fantastic job of Excellent. filling in. And it just goes to show that Tibbs didn't force it. He knew it wasn't working. He knows how important each possession in a playoff game can be and how quickly things can go awry. And I just thought he did a masterful job. And again, if if it weren't for Tibbs, it would I would be praising RJ. I, in fact, I think it's it sucks that I have to pick between one or the other. I view it I as one A, to... one B. But yeah, but I feel as though I've given I feel as though I've given RJ more praise than Tibbs. And I want to give RJ the praise, but I also know that if you give our if you give Tibbs the praise, then it would just be like I... oh, of course of course John's giving Tibbs the praise. So I I almost want to do it. I'm doing it for you. So that that way it doesn't feel like, look at John. He just like, doesn't even matter. RJ Barrett's great. And he's picking Tom Thibodeau. So I, you can return the favor if you'd like. I, Jeremy threw me for a loop. I thought one of us was going to be talking about RJ Barrett. And the other one was going to be talking about Jalen Brunson. Um, I've, I have sung Jalen Brunson's praise I know, I so know much this year and it's still deserved, right? It's still, but I, I just, I felt that Tibbs deserved it this week. I will, I will talk. I will take, agree everything you said on Tibbs. Hope you keep it up for the rest of the series, however long it may be, and moving forward, ideally in the playoffs. Um, yes, uh, the game ball should go to RJ Barrett. Um, I mean, what do I even have left to say that I haven't said already over the last few days? Uh, if you are someone who has always believed in this player, this was probably the greatest weekend of your life. <laughs> and if you're someone like me who has lived in like borderline fear over the years since he's been drafted that like, Oh my God, I, I is this not, is this not the Prince uh, that we were, we were promised. Um, it's the happiest weekend of my life because I could finally rest easy that everybody else was right. And I was wrong. And this is the this is a guy. He's a real guy. And what he did in the, over this weekend's games, I know it's only two games. I wrote it this morning in the newsletter. It is more important. These two games are more important than the 271 games he's played in the regular season before this, as far as I'm concerned. Um, not that they don't have context, but that's my two cents. As a fan, yes, these two measure up in a larger way than the others, the 271 before. I think what impresses me the most is, you know, for four years, RJ has been a pretty mediocre passer out of drives. And he's doing that at a very high level, which is exactly what the Knicks have been trying to get him and other Knicks to do. And, you know, other Knicks are, are good, not elite at it. And RJ has been really upping it. And, you know, the funny thing about RJ as well is the shots haven't been falling from the perimeter, which is still an issue. We still, but, but you know, how many other guys you mentioned, the Knicks are shooting Nobody's so poorly. Like, right. So I, it's, I'm not like going to single them out. And the playmaking has been fantastic. The defensive effort, uh, hockey assists that certainly don't show up as easily. Like he's been, he's been, his fingerprints are all over it. Um, the main thing that the kind of the main reason why everything seems so good is this series, RJ Barrett, is finishing at the rim, according to cleaning the glass, 68% of the time. So 68%, that would be good for 53rd percentile among wings. For context, if you're unaware of what the percentiles are that RJ has finished in uh, at the rim, 
rookie year, by heart. 19th percentile. Uh, next year, the 24th percentile. In the playoffs of that year, 25th percentile. Obviously, a small sample size, 13 of 23. Uh, following year, 2021-22 season, 15th percentile. And then this year, uh, 24th percentile at 59%. 59% was his high finishing at the rim and it was still only in the 24th percentile. So it just goes to show how even when the shot doesn't open up outside, uh, and it, the other thing is on the weak side, he's hitting the above the break is back. He was kind of struggling a bit there this season. So it's nice yeah. to, again, small sample size, incredibly small sample size, but they, they have to respect him there. But the ability for them also, you know, even if they go under on drives, he's finishing at, at what compared to hit, RJ of the past is an elite level. And in general, it's a very good level. But if you can keep up with that, still needs to work on those things. But but that shouldn't take away from how good he can be if he finishes at the rim and how important that is for the Knicks and for RJ Barrett himself. He's been the... Depending on your feelings about Mitchell Robinson, who also deserves a tip at the cap here. Mm-hmm. Um, RJ's been the second best player on a team that is up. 3-1 in the playoffs and he's doing it in a high usage role and he's doing it efficiently and doing everything that's being asked of him and not going not not overextending himself in a way that is negative so um all great things which leads us to detention we only have five candidates Julius Randall Emmanuel quickly which I'm offended that Emmanuel quickly is in this he is his Emmanuel quickly's defense has been spectacular I don't think he should be listed here but it's fine. It's Andrew's list. Um, We're watching Andrew. Unbelievable. Casual. Um, Scott Foster. And then finally, the haters and the non-believers. Um, I'm going to pick from one of the last two because I'm not about to get on Julius Randle for going out there and playing hurt. Um, There's one more thing we can do, though. What? We can do two game balls. They are in the instructions. Now, in the spirit of the Knicks did lose a game since we last talked. Yeah. I'm doing a detention. I feel weird not doing one, but... um, I'm going to do detention. Fair enough. I want to do detention for the non-believers. So, again, I've done this before. I will do it again. I'm putting myself in detention. Um, Fans should support their players. And at the very least, if they don't think in their heart of hearts that uh, a particular player is ever going to be what many other people think that they are. You know, there's ways to go about that tactfully. And as someone who is in front of a microphone a lot, uh, I struggle with that balance oftentimes. Uh, But I am absolutely deserving of being put in detention this week after all of the quite outward negativity I've had towards RJ. Because I really just have not been a believer. And uh, I was dead wrong because uh, he has converted me. And uh, I am genuinely excited. can't remember the last time I've thought this. I'm genuinely excited to see what he does moving forward, not only in the series, these playoffs, in his career. Something else I never thought I'd say, I hope it's as a Nick. There you go. So I'm in detention for that. Well, in fairness, even with the skepticism that was had, we both went into the series and who did we pick as our X factor? I picked RJ. I picked RJ as well. There you go. So it just goes to show that dreams can come true, miracles can, can happen, and and he's. I'm very happy that he's able to show his way. I am going to pick, I guess, the haters. Right? Yeah, but pick I'm the gonna, haters. Screw the haters. I'll pick the haters, but it'll also kind of be uh, 
complimenting. It's it's almost gonna be like giving game ball to the people that they were hating on. I don't know. It's just like I, when you look back, when you're in the thick of it, everything gets clumpy in the weeds, and all these different deadlines or draft days, free agency, like areas that would be very high stress from a transactional standpoint, they often feel super stressful. And when they don't go the way of how we may want them, we revolt in some manner. And it just goes to show that like, for all of the missteps that the front office has taken, the, the good things overwhelmingly capture, right? Like it, it captures primarily the good. And we can yep. talk about the bad because there has been bad. Every front office is going to have wins and losses. Nobody's, I mean, nobody has the Warriors. Track record. The Warriors yeah. drafted James Wiseman and now he's gone and they burned a second round, a second overall pick uh, in thinner. So it happens to the best of us. It's really more just how you can find a way to take the best parts. We can talk about all these different players and how good they are. And that's true. Yeah. We can talk about the coaches, how good they are. And, and it all starts at the top. And James Dolan found a great person, Leon Rose, who hired great people, uh, who then drafted, uh, signed, and traded for great individuals who are really talented, who are great with the analytics, everything top-notch. So it's easy to be skeptical when there are years of, of feeling battered and distressed and seeing all of the transactions that go awry. But um, you, can, you can ease up haters because I'll tell you when I look at these two teams I see one of them that traded a lot for one player who now has to win three games in a row to get back to a point and they have very few assets and ways to get out of an exit strategy and I see the other team that didn't trade for that player that has all of these assets at its disposal that's young that's hungry that's motivated and they're just getting started I love it I love it Uh, the haters could go eat it What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you're like me and just don't have time for food shopping, let the groceries come to you. Don't hesitate. Head to hellofresh.com/filmschool50 and use code filmschool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Again, that's hellofresh.com/filmschool50 and use code film School 50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Okay, um, we're almost done. We only have one announcement. It is an important one. So if you have been a part of the KFS post games uh, over the last couple of years, uh, you know the name Robert Cross. 
So Robert Cross, you know, this may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I had to throw that in there. But um, he is, and I, I say this as just completely and totally with all of my heart because it, I, I mean it. Part of the KFS family, as we have kind of grown, and as post games and pods and and Twitter spaces and like our online input, like all of these different things have evolved to the fact that this is now, you know, Nick's Film School is a le- living, breathing organism. Um, everybody who contributes to it, like it's all, it all makes it what it is. It all makes it special, special for us, special for those of you listening out there. And uh, Robert Cross is a big part of that. And the reason I'm bringing up Robert Cross is because as you were listening to this, Robert Cross turns 50 years old today. So we thought, because this is episode 600, and unfortunately, we were not able to land. Um, I don't know who would we have wanted to land. Pat Riley, but sure. he's right. too busy watching his mediocre basketball team. There you go. We could land Pat Riley. So we got someone else who's old and wrinkly, and that is Robert Cross. Hello, Robert. How are you, sir? Try <laughs> unmuting yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. Sorry, Robert. Yeah. I muted you when you done. Or add to the stage. Robert, oh, how are you? Okay. Yeah, it's my fault. I'm doing good. Excited to be here. So you're 50 or almost 50. You're going to be 50 as we are talking. Uh, well, wait, the time zone difference. So I have to account for that. So what, about like eight hours, something like that? I think Whereabouts? I was born early in the morning and about half a day. Sometimes okay. early tomorrow morning. So you were born... Correct me if I'm wrong. The year the Knicks last won the NBA championship. Yes. 73. Okay. So your memory of that is probably not great. Negligible. Negligible because you (laughs) you were two weeks old when they won that championship. I I believe they won that on May May, May 10th. Um, But you are a massive Knicks fan nonetheless, despite the fact that they've never won a blessed thing in any of our lifetimes. But you, again go back the longest. Um, how you feeling about these Knicks, Robert? H- how's it going for you right now? Well, I'm, I'm most definitely not a hater. Um, no. Pretty, pretty excited about where we are. Um, GMAC, do I get a game ball? Yes, Robert Cross gets a game ball. Oh, boy. Because of the... Oh, you want to give out a game ball, you're saying? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. I want to give out a game ball. So does anyone know who Thornton Mellon is? Thornton Mellon? No. Can't say I do. That's uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character in Back to School. Oh, Back to School. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> Was that a former Nick? So I want to <laughs> give a game ball out to myself for believing in this team. And so we'll get to we'll we'll Andrew laughing to start. We got a Back no, to School it. reference on the box. That's great, though. <laughs> I haven't seen that it's movie a in a while. I have to go rewatch it. I love that movie. <laughs> it's a very oh, good movie. Man. No, I'll be... I, I I do deserve some credit. I'll give it to Brunson. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm glad give, Brunson gets a game ball. And the, the reason I will give it to Brunson, and uh, one of the members of the Casuals did some good work, XJ, just showing how efficient he's been. And yep. being a longstanding Knicks fan... Somebody who's done a little bit with basketball, 
um, our pain at the point guard position has been like uh, an Achilles heel. So how how I'm your Achilles heel when you know that you're going to come on and all these super chats are going to be sitting there. You're, you're you're more than my Achilles heel. There's, there isn't a body part that you don't inflict pain upon, Robert. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, I've been looking for the next to have somebody solid at the position where, I mean, we had, I don't remember the, exactly how it all played out, but we had Strickland and Jackson, and then we had neither of them. Yes. And we had like Doc Rivers and Harper and whatever, and they were good players on the backside of their career. And we had Marbury for a flash, but we finally have a point guard that can dictate the flow of a game and be impactful to the, to the point that, um, I mean, you and I, we, we talk about the archetype, right? You need a superstar. Yeah. We, always go, back, that, we go back and forth about this a lot. We go back and forth about that. And the, the wing, the archetype, and at least playoffs to date, Brunson's playing like a superstar. I mean, he, he's up there. Kendrick Perkins, who we don't uh, quote a lot on this podcast, but did go out today and say that he believes Jalen Brunson is performing as one of the best five players in the NBA playoffs. Uh, and I know Kendrick Perkins says a lot of silly things, but for him to say that, I thought was notable. Um, I'll give myself this pat on the bat, Robert. Me and you disagree about a lot of things, and and you've been proven right about some things. I've been proven right about some things. But the one thing we were on the same page about when they signed Brunson, I told you from day one, I'm like, you're going to love this guy. Well, you already liked him a lot, but I said, you're going to love this guy. And he is much better, like immeasurably better than advertised. And so I was, I, we both agreed on that. Yeah. I think everybody agrees on that. I had a personal conflict with Brunson and Mr. Josh Hart for an obvious reason. So I have pretty deep bas- basketball roots myself. And I happen to go to Seton Hall and Vanilla uh, Villanova has been waxing Seton Hall quite a bit during the Jay Wright era. So those two players were not my favorite. That's a uh, no, no shame in that. Um, so last thing, Robert, you you become famous. Twitter yeah. famous, social media. I don't know. Famous, famous, famous. Borderline, famous, borderline infamous. Yes. Board, well, well. Mm. Uh, thank um, you, GMS. Love you, well, too, Robert. It was infamous. So, you st- so I'll say the thing. It was 53 wins. So I, I, I don't know yeah. when you first introduced the hashtag. I feel like it was before last season. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It did not. And you kept it. You kept up the bit until it was mathematically impossible. And then you kept it up even after that. But I think it became mathematically impossible with like 20 some odd games to go. Um, and then, But you brought it back for round two this year. And. And beginning of December. 10 and 13. My Lord, you looked even more ridiculous this season than you did last season, which I didn't think was possible. And now we are any sitting pu- here. Any, yeah. Any publicity is good publicity, John. <laughs> and now we are sitting here again. I don't, we, 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 we do not celebrate. We do not count chickens before they are hatched. And we do not celebrate series before they are won here. At least I don't. Andrew breaks all the rules. Um, yes, he does. Uh, but but, Robert, but, hold but, on. Robert and Mensa taught me that. Celebrate the process, not well, just the destination. Next we, we, five, you John. can celebrate. He literally just said Nixon five up to your face. There you go. Keep that energy, Robert. I love it. Robert, Robert, Robert knows. Robert 
was the first person to ever call me a technocrat, which I very much appreciated, by the way. Um, but we are on the we are on the verge. We are on the verge of perhaps, perhaps, if you add up regular season wins and playoff victories, fifty three wins actually being a thing that it could happen. Yep. And so, the fact that again the calendar is almost May, and this is a, still a thing, you deserve all the kudos in the world. Um, so I just want to give you that publicly. On your birthday, as my birthday present I, to you. I appreciate it. It's probably the best gift I'll get tomorrow in all likelihood. I, I really hope that's not the best gift. Well, my, part, my new partners like, are the guys on again? Why are they still talking two or three hours after the game? <laughs> it's because Robert Cross keeps sending us super chats. <laughs> exactly, because Robert Cross doesn't know when to stop super chatting. All right, uh, as my as my youngest walks in and her, what are those Christmas pajamas? Yeah. Um, so we have to get out of here. Uh, Jeremy, Andrew, anything you, you guys want to say to Robert before we, we go? Jeremy, you first. Uh, hi, Robert. First time. How's uh, it going, Cutlets? His name's great. Cutlets, by the way. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Which I I know it's from the chicken cutlet sandwiches, but I still don't actually know the origin of where cutlets. And came because from. I wanted, there was supposed to be a cutlets T-shirt. Ah, uh, yes. And right. I was told that you were in charge of it, and of course, because it wasn't data related, you failed. Yep, it's true. I prefer Captain Kickball as a funnier nickname. <laughs> They're, but both I They're both great. They're both great. Works too. Yes. Yep. Um, but no, I will say happy birthday, Robert. For you. Uh, for you, it's uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Obviously, I communicate with you offline about Nick's KFS business stuff, everything. You've been fantastic and incredibly kind with your your time and your finances. You're putting one of John's kids through college. Maybe the second one goes there too. So uh, no, you just mean a lot, and we love you. Thank you so much. Glad we could make this happen. And yeah, ha- very happy fiftieth birthday to you. I appreciate that and glad that it wasn't about some kind of statistics. GMAC, you're up. What do you got? Oh, I'm up. (laughs) How do I follow that? Uh, Robert, happy birthday, my friend. Um, Thank you for the way you've supported us, not just with your uh, your checkbook, but with your your wit and your humor. Um, I'm GMAC because you started calling me that and it stuck. Oh my God, is this right? That is a thing that happened. <laughs> For, I forgot um, that that's where it started. Uh, and um, yeah, man, you've just been uh, really cool to get to know. And um, it's cool that this community continues to grow and introduce me to people like you that I never would have met have, a, have Nick's Film School. And honestly, the Knicks not been good. Um, so it's it's awesome that you know, we could celebrate episode 600 with the most special of guests and it's with you, my friend. So happy birthday. And here's to, here's the hashtag 53 more. Oh, wow. I see what you did there. (laughs) Look at that. I'd be a fossil at that point. I I appreciate the opportunity uh, to come on. And also I'm glad that I'm ranked above Kevin Danishevsky. By the way, Kevin, your apology to RJ Barrett's not loud enough. Ah. If I don't get something louder in Twitter, you are banned for the uh, Patreon next month. No, Kevin's going to come come out with his top 100 ways to apologize to RJ Barrett, and he's going to put it in an upcoming playback near you. 
<laughs> Nixon five. Let's go, Menza. <laughs> Giddy up to that. Uh, Robert, seriously, uh, you're the man. Uh, appreciate all your generosity and your, uh, most of all, more than your generosity, I appreciate your passion for this team because um, <laughs> unless you are the best actor in the world, you cannot fake what you do in terms of how much you love this team and how much you think about them. And I know because you are in my DMs literally all day, every day. Um, and you, you're a good fan and you're a good dude. So happy 50th. Um, appreciate you. And uh, yeah, let's hope uh, we get this thing done in five. So your prediction and Mench's prediction can come true. And the rest of us look like idiots, right? Um, yep. We'll beat the heat in Eastern conference finals. We are. There you go. That's the dark horse, you, right? Do you have a preference of Philly or Boston that you want to oh. beat in the conference finals, Robert? <laughs> We'll beat either one of them. And then right, if we match up with which the one, Lakers. Which one do you want more? The Celtics to lose or the, the Sixers to lose to the Knicks? That's so a bad. good point. Let's I have to see. put it into this. This is so everything bad. about that. I want to play. I actually I want to play the Sixers. And this is this is why I want to play the Sixers. Because I know John technically... Well, he's married, obviously. But he has this little side thing going on with Joel Embiid. <laughs> Anyone that's been paying attention to this pod the past couple of years know that he's writing articles, thinking of future articles, and it's somewhat disconcerting to me because I don't know if you know, my favorite Nick happens to be Mitchell Relax Robinson, right? That's, I do know that. Um, you know, the man that's controlling the paint and is out playing his uh, all-star yep. counterpart, yep. Jared Allen. You're going to hear a take from tomorrow's guest on the pod about Mitchell Robinson. Stay tuned for that. Anyway. Who yes. is that? Fred Dean Wade Katz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that who it is? Because I don't need to listen to that garbage. There you go. You can, you can skip that episode. It's okay. Uh, Sorry. Uh, okay. So, uh, so, but no, so you want to be, you wanna be Philly. Oh, wow. We, we I want to I I be Philly. And what, we're going to win it. Um, at home in game six oh. on a Mitchell Robinson tip in when Embiid falls on the floor. Like that. <laughs> it's all like, cause I don't know. I don't know if you've been seeing this clip going around where he spends I, more time rolling around on I the have. ground than playing basketball. Mm -hmm. Like a I, turtle I on turtle on his back in the sun. Exactly. Okay. Be careful what you wish for. John, we could then be in the finals against the Lakers. We can LeBron and AD. <laughs> There's and a lot of things that could happen. I was telling them before the pod, Robert, what a perfect way as a tribute uh, yes. to the okay. captain, I'm, you beat the Lakers 50 years after the 73 team did it. We That's would a, beat the, the 73 Lakers team. 50. Right. So there's yeah. a lot of synergy between my 50th birthday, 1973, this year, and you would have AD and a cane. He's not going to be able to stop Mitchell Robinson either because he'll probably be complaining about his shoulder. So, this is the worst karma. And he fell over or whatever. Just... Understand that 53 wins is not a number. It's an aspiration. It's an ideal to bring the title back to the Mecca. Let's go. Let's go. Hashtag 63 wins, which is what it would take to win a title this year. Okay. Andrew, just for you, starting on tomorrow's post game, we're going to do 63. Let's no, because you're, you're going to jinx it. All right. I'm, th that's it. Uh, Robert, happy birthday. Go back to doing whatever it is you do. Uh, Andrew, Jeremy, thanks so much as always. <laughs> and everybody out there who uh, 
continues to support this uh, podcast and our endeavors here at Nick's Film School. We thank you. We appreciate you. Um, let's try to get this thing done. Uh, I, I would love nothing more than for Nixon 5 to become a thing. So until next time, um, we'll talk to you soon and uh, peace out.